All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living top their game personally and professionally. Today, we've got Tamara on the show, who is an award-winning eight-figure growth advisor, recently named Forbes top, top 11 most impactful leaders. She is an investor, mentor, author, and speaker committed to driving impact by supporting others to grow their business and use it as a force for good. In my language, I'd say she is a no bullshit, kind, and super smart human being, which I'm excited to welcome on the show. Welcome. No, oh, thank you. I think I'll change my LinkedIn profile to that. No BS. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, uh, when I think of you, I think, uh, like I said, super smart and just like, let's cut the BS. I mean, let's get right to the point of, of whether it's, uh, you know, work-related items or, or personal, like just who has time for the BS, right? Not me. No, not anyone, <laughs> especially, especially women who are working with how many businesses I've lost count. So, totally. you know, I think uh, fail quickly is one of the best things I've ever heard. And I just feel if you're not in flow with someone, if they don't tick every single box, whether it's business, if the situation, the person, uh, whatever it is, uh, the friendship, yeah. if it doesn't serve you, move on because we haven't got time. Um, we've got stuff to do and, you know, we'll put on this planet for a purpose. Let's get to it. <sighs> Love it. We are going to get to it, but I do want to honor the tradition of this show and that is to do everything I can to avoid the job titles and the bios, which I just shared, and start the conversation with, who are you? If you put all that stuff aside, who is Tamara? What, you know, what makes up the, the lovely human in front of us today? No, that's very sweet. I think you know, who you are really and your values rarely don't change. So you know, I'm a country girl at heart, and you know, I worked hard to get to where I am in business and in life. Um, and it wasn't handouts. It wasn't capital. Women don't get access to much capital. So it was a lot of hard work, a lot of lessons. There's not mistakes, but lessons and, and a lot of growth. So, mm. you know, I grew up in the country around nature. I had the Great Barrier Reef at the front. You can tell I'm an Aussie. <laughs> I yes. had the rainforest at the back. And, you know, there's always that pivotal moment when you're a child where something changes and it'll never be the same again. And for me, that was when I was eight and I was going on an excursion for school and they put us all in a bus and we we're going to see where our fathers work. Now, you probably think I come from a family of entrepreneurs, not at all. They're teachers. My mother doesn't have a driver's license and hasn't had a job. So like, it's not like I was surrounded around entrepreneurs. Sure. And my dad was a minor, which- yeah, My dad too, was, actually. There you go. I know that, yeah. <laughs> You know, most of my cousins are as well still. You know, we that's Australia. You grow up in mining towns. And um, I remember getting out and seeing this massive hole in the ground and devastated at, you know, where are the animals, where are the plants? I had never <laughs> seen such destruction before. And when I asked him um, afterwards, because I was one of those annoying kids who just always wanted to know why, uh, and funnily enough, that's one of my values is do the opposite. Uh, don't just do what everyone's done. Doesn't mean it's right. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, don't be ungrateful. This is how we make money and put food on the table. And I remember being my stubborn self and going, no way. I am not going to make money by doing this. Um, there has to be a better way to make money. And the same thing now reflects to me. It shows up in everything that I do. It's, it's about how do we prosper um, with purpose, without, you know, um, business and, and ourselves, putting ourselves in situations where we do the wrong thing by people and planet. And we can have both. Yeah. There's no compromises. You know, everyone thinks they have to compromise between work and family. No, you don't. You can blend them. You don't have mm. to compromise between profits and doing the right thing. You can have both. So how did you get, because I, I know, I know tomorrow in, in today's world, and it's been fun doing the research, and, and I actually kind of stumbled on this before I even really do dove into some of the details, and it was an Instagram post with, uh, on, your, on your feed, and it's you singing about vegan pizza and wine and enjoying a sunset, which, <laughs> which is awesome, and it d definitely reflects your incredible personality, but 
that it was the singing. I was like, whoa, that, that, that's not a, re-. like I could sing about vegan pizza and it wouldn't sound the same. And then within probably 10 minutes later, I started to come across the fact that, you know, at a young age, I think in your high school days, you were writing songs when I'm sure your friends were doing other things and you started a band and you're touring and musician. I mean, fill us in. How, how does all of that materialize? And then you flip into, you know, the, the work that you're doing right now with uh, all these businesses. Like, how do the two worlds connect? Well, again, they didn't flip, and I'm so a little embarrassed that you even brought that up. I love singing. But, you know, to be honest, I'm a creative at heart. I've always, you know, been drawing. I've always been drawn to nature, and I've always, um, you know, entrepreneurship is actually creativity because it's problem solving, which is creativity. So I actually think the two are very aligned. They think people like yourself kind of go, oh, how did you go from this side to that side? I actually think they, they're almost the same skills. And the best entrepreneurs that I've met are highly creative people. Yeah. So, you know, as a kid, everyone loves music, right? Who doesn't love music? That's like saying you don't like chocolate. It's just all hugs. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's in all of us. It, it, it makes us feel great. It, it reminds us while we're here, it's beat, it's rhythm, it's flow. So as a kid, um, again, I was told there's no money in art by my father. So you can't be <laughs> yeah. a, a songwriter or an artist because there's no money in that. Mm-hmm. So again, me doing the opposite went, yes, I can. If I love something, I can figure out how to make money out of it so that I don't have to do something I don't enjoy. So be, becoming a business um, person, an entrepreneur, actually started out of necessity because I loved music. I got signed and and I didn't want to be the singing budgie because they tell you what to do when you get signed, like mm-hmm. who you are, how to look. I'm like, I'm not doing that. So they said, well, why don't you be a songwriter because you love making music. So in order to do that, I couldn't do a nine-to-five job because it meant touring the world and working with different artists around the world, which is another one of my passions is travel. And a job's not going to give me that much time off work. So I literally went straight out of university um, studying art, which was very naughty, (laughs) and (laughs) I had to pay for myself through university. You know, it was one of those things because there's no jobs in it, apparently. And I started a – my first business was a marketing agency. Mm -hmm. and That's still running today, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, gosh, five years, which is showing my age, but – it was purely out of the fact that, well, you know, I need to be able to make money, uh, but I want the flexibility. And I think that's a lot of reason why women get into business is because the corporate grey doesn't fill their purpose or the corporate grey isn't flexible for them or trusts them to get what needs to get done in a day around the other commitments that are equally as important as their job. Yeah. So I just made that transition earlier and when people look at where I am in business and they say, oh gosh, but you know, you're doing so well, I've just done it longer and I've been, I'm that person who keeps asking for directions, so I'm always having mentors and growing and growing. So that's how I ended up in business and I still sing. It just turned into singing for nursery rhymes for children (laughs) and now um on road trips with my business partner. If you get enough wines into me and there's a piano, look out. Look out. <laughs> yes. And that's not yes. a challenge, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I mean, do you, do you miss any of the, you know, the live performing and all of that? Or, the, or do, you still, do you still write songs and whatnot? Like, is, how does it show up in your life today outside of the, you know, singing for your partner and, and your beautiful children? Uh, well, my business partner makes me do it daily, Natalie, who's also my okay. best friend now, um, which is lovely. Uh, I do, you know, I don't miss, I'm, I enjoy singing and I'm sure I'll get back to it. I'll be that, you know, 80-year-old, like out of that need a movie, hip to the heart. Yeah. And that'll be me We're writing. Coming back on tour. <laughs> yeah, giving meatballs to my husband on our anniversary or something. Um, what yeah. was that movie called? It was delightful. Uh, anyway, it'll come to me. I know Drew Barrymore's in it. Um, so, you know, I, I love that. But the other thing is, is you've got to understand, I'm still doing my creativity every day. So what was interesting yeah. when you write a song, they it, it's almost um, under pressure, creativity under pressure. They put you in a room 
They tell you who the artist is. They give you a couple of hours to come up with a bed or a theme and, mm. a, and a rough um, a, a rough hook. A- and then depending on whether the artist likes it or not, depends on whether you get work for the rest of the day and you can finish that song off. So that creative process of going through and writing a song, figuring out the narrative, really going deep so that you can move people, that's not dissimilar to when yeah. you're creating a brand's vision and a why. So rather than me having the same song that I have to sing over and over again, <laughs> like that's some interesting, yeah, over, yeah, um, I have one business. I it's too boring. I want to sing many songs, and I want to write lots of songs, and I want them to be country and and pop and love ballads. So in the same way, I love business because I get to look through narratives and understand the real meaning behind why people buy something. And people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And that's no different to writing a song and going through that process in order to connect with people at a deep level and and move them towards an action. So fascinating. I mean, mean, we're we're not all songwriters or musicians, but I, I do feel we all have certain elements of, like you said, you know, that creative, um, passion or that's that spark that we we can if we choose to you know tap into that and and let that blend into uh our you know current professional life whatever that may be and and so forth we just need to i think we just need to give ourselves the permission to do it and and not have a bunch of self-judgment or worry about what others may think and so forth and just go for it right zone of genius everyone has been bored with a seed of potentiality. And once people find their purpose and they tap into their zone of genius and they apply it to every part of their life, they're the ones that make people that you look at them and you go, they do it so effortlessly. And it's yeah. because they've they everyone's born with a seed. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't even matter if you can't sing. You've got a seed of potentiality. I really believe that. It's finding that, it's nurturing that, it's allowing that to come out and applying that rather than shutting it down, which is what a lot of society does for people, Yeah, unfortunately, because when people are in their zone or in their flow, whatever you want to call it, they're just just touching so many people. Um, It's the energy of it. They make great leaders. They solve big business problems and world problems. You know, they inspire people to step up and and be courageous and and do what needs to be done. Without mm-hmm. that, you know, we're all robots working for corporates. Yeah, it's we've talked about this, uh, or I've talked about this on on this show before. It's it's th- this is why I'm really passionate about just mental fitness and curiosity and learning because I feel if you don't have if you don't have any practices or rituals in play and you just step out into regular society that autopilot um track or journey just automatically unfortunately and I, like what you're saying I wish this wasn't the case just leads you to not a good place you know it, it you're 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 100% right you're robotic you know we get hit with all the stress and these negative headlines and this and that and it's no surprise that there's a massive, you know, mental health, I would say, pandemic that's happening. I mean, it's, it's, if you zoom out and you look at what's happening across the board everywhere, it's, it, it's clear, right? So we have to have just like physical fitness. I mean, if you don't do anything, you just jump into a supermarket on autopilot, you're not coming out with healthy options in your cart. And, you know, it's just, uh, unfortunately the facts that that we live in right now so yeah we talk about identity theft right like that's all Mm. in america and at the moment is every second ad which is fear marketing and and yes it's a thing i appreciate that but what happened to soul theft yeah yeah (laughs) a lot to be said for people making others conform and telling them what's important in their life and you know i see this a lot in entrepreneurship you know i'm 2% 2% of women get to a million dollars in business, which is atrocious. So really? for me to be in YPO, which is, you know, that next level of 20 million a year plus, there's just hardly any women. So I'm around a lot of men and yeah. 
you know, yes, they might have money. Uh, yes, they look like they have the ideal life. They've got their planes. They've got all this stuff. But that doesn't make them happy either. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. I can have the same conversation with one of my beautiful team members who are in the Philippines, uh, the same conversation about, you know, stepping and finding your purpose and what is what is your legacy? Why were you put on this planet? What moves you? I can have that same conversation no matter what the the amount of zeros in their bank account. And yeah. oftentimes I find that people with less money have had to go do the searching and actually have it more figured out. Sure. Um, so, you know, what's really interesting is we need to take the time, like you say, and, and give more time and attention to this because where your focus goes, your energy flows. And if you want to be in flow, then focus on yourself first. And that's very hard, particularly for women, because they put everybody else first. So, you know, I, I talk about the five extensions of being, which is when people are most in flow. Um, and, you know, the first one is self. And, yeah. you know, I keep reminding women of that. There's five extensions of being. We don't wait until we have a girlies weekend or I will be happy when or I will eat healthy when or I will, um, you know, spend time with the kids one school holidays or, you know, they, they're always looking for something that's ahead to fulfill them. We should constantly be checking in every week on our five extensions of being saying, how have I served myself? How have I served my family? And that's being present. My community is the third one, business fourth and fifth mother nature and whatever order you want to put them, but don't compromise the first, which is self. And I think that's why I love what you do is that you remind people of the first one, which is self, and then reminder that these other things make you very happy and that they don't have to cost a lot of money and it's not once a year. You can go find happy places in each of those four extensions we just tend to spend a lot of time at work. So that's, yeah. that's the reason, you know, I find that you have to you have to live out your purpose and and bring your seed of potentiality to that every day. Yeah. You set me up quite well because the w- one question before really jumping into some of the uh, the business specifics that I want to cover is just you know you strike me as someone that is that has some pretty strong grounding on um principles and belief systems and just I would say like a growth mindset and opportunistic and whatnot and I know just from the research that Rich Dad Poor Dad was an important book in your journey and I imagine there's there are many but I'd love for you to just share how you fuel your mind with just good positive mental nutrition what does that look like for you well I remember a quote that I was told by somebody when I was young in business that CEO is being a CEO is a very lonely game. And I think the complete opposite. Mm. I think that being a business leader is such a blessing, Uh, especially if you've got an amazing business partner like I do, who's now my best friend. Uh, We get to play together all day. Um, I have amazing team members, um, and, you know, I have an amazing tribe. So I found my people, which is YPO and the organization's EO before that, Entrepreneurs Organization. So I'm surrounded by people that are constantly talking about positive. In general, you find, you know, entrepreneurs are quite optimistic. So I like to be around those sorts of people. So that's sort of feeding me in conversation um, and the sorts of people that I'm hanging around inside those groups are are ones that aren't talking about money. They're talking about business as a force for good. And that to me gives a positive future spin on where we're going because if you do watch media, if you do listen to most narratives, it's very negative. It's a scarcity mentality as opposed to an abundance mentality. So I'm surrounding myself with people like that and I'm very guarded around that. And then separately, I make decision-making really simple because I'm one of these people who made up my mind and then would change it and then would listen to somebody else and then change it again. When I was younger, I was always influenced by other people. And, you know, I thought I was listening to myself, but then I was surprised at how quickly I would change my mind. And I'd be like, wow, that was a 360 very quickly. So I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, for me is this head-heart coherency, 
what what's logical in your head uh, and then extend that to your gut. What is my gut telling me? So I always go back to my head saying this is a good deal because every time I've done a business deal that's gone bad, it's because it's been logical. Oh, then okay. I, so what I've said to myself is, oh, hang on, you've gone straight into logic, how much money can be made, who is this person of influence, blah, 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 blah. What was my initial gut instinct? My initial gut instinct is that this person looks like they would throw me under the bus if they, if it's the difference between me or him. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, or me or them. It's not just synonymous with men. So go with your gut instinct. So check in on that straight away because you're usually right. And then really be in flow between your head and your heart. So that's, that's a big one for me. Yeah. How do you do that? What are, what are some ways? Because I understand the, 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 the concept, and I think many listening do as well. But often the reality is there's so much mental clutter and noise in our heads and our bodies are clogged up. It's hard to hear the whispers. Where? And this is where I feel like we're, again, just like physical fitness, as you're training your body, you're becoming more and more fit. And we can, when we can train be mentally fit as well, we all of a sudden start hearing that stuff loud and clear. It's almost, you know, it's almost impossible not to hear those, those signs. So I'm curious for you, what, especially having, you know, in, in the past, um, made decisions quickly or, or have been flipped, like you said, quite quickly, what, what does that evolution look like? Like what's helped for you? Well, you know, what's interesting is that you, you do this reflection usually after something's imploded. <laughs> Yeah, of course, right? <laughs> you know, through struggles, there are the lessons. Oh, I wish there was less of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I have so many to share for my two daughters. <laughs> sure. Uh, as experience shares. Uh, but for me, what I did was I spent the time to look at, okay, what makes my heart feel and my heart sing? And for every mm. person, it's different. And then I brought that down to my core values that are my core values, have nothing to do with my vision boards of what sort of house I want or whatever it is because those things actually don't count for much. I think vision boards should be filled with words and examples of humans of how you want to show up <laughs> as opposed mm -hmm. to the car, the house, or whatever. So yeah. I, I did the work on one of my values and a lot of that is reflection on what didn't work. So for me, my core values are freedom, creativity, impact and doing the opposite. I know those four things about me because I, anyone who knows me would say, oh, Tamara, do you have to go into an industry? Can't you just copy everybody else? No, I have to do the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah, talk to my dad about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. We know that stemmed from when I was eight. Um, <laughs> so, you know, which I'm really grateful for because each of these things, you know, set your values and your va values rarely change in your life. So once you figure out what it is, mm -hmm. life becomes very simple. And you're talking about simple things to take you, mental health sounds like a big thing or, you know, yeah. mental fitness. It's daunting and everyone's talking about it and no one or nobody knows how to tackle it. We need to have simple ways that resonate with us, that work for us, that we can make decisions around and get into um, the flow of that. So, for example, using my four, and I invite you all to do the same exercise and, you know, I've got one in my book or just ping me and I'll send you the exercise. Um, but mine, it, when I had a business, I, what I said was I was a lazy genie. I said my next thing is I want to get to eight figures and I want to exit a business, right? That was one of my goals. What okay. I didn't say is how would that business look and who would I exit that to? So one of my massive mistakes was, which is also an accomplishment as I grew a business, very large, but it meant I had to be in the office every single day. I couldn't mm. travel. I couldn't do. So I'd basically gone back to what I didn't want to do when I was younger as well, the freedom. Yeah, That's a big one for me. So most of my businesses are remote. Most of my team are remote because I extend what's good for me is good for my team. So they, they're online, which is ironic that most of my businesses are direct-to-consumer online or B2B online and they're virtual. They don't have office spaces. 
because freedom is a big thing for me. So I'll say yes to a business that has that. If someone says to me, would you like to be the CEO of this company and here's the address and you've got to be there from nine to five, <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> I don't even yeah. finish the sentence. I'm out of there. So freedom, very important. The next one is creativity. Can I be in my zone of genius in this space? And you know, you get so excited about it. You can't stop thinking about that business or pro- solving that problem. That's when you know this is something that's in your zone of genius. The, you know, the third one, obviously doing the opposite. Is there something about this industry? Usually that has a lot to do with impact. Has everyone just said it's okay for us to have this going on, even though it's bad for the environment? Or there's a lovely woman that I'm working with and mentoring at the moment who I'm investing in also who has gone, why are we wearing um, shapewear? It's suffocating. It's uncomfortable. We don't enjoy it. It makes us angry, our version of hangry, um, but for shapewear, why aren't we reinventing underwear for women? So I love it when women come up and with solutions that, that do the opposite. And then, of course, you know, impact. How do we make an impact through what we're doing? Is this actually going to help bridge the gap in female entrepreneurship? Is it going to help, you know, resolve a problem or take, take, you know, be more sustainable? And and those are the things that I govern it by. And sometimes I fall so in love with things or my business partner does and she goes, oh, my gosh, we have to do this. And I go, no, it's three out of the four. And oh, you know, yeah, also, that's hard. Two out of three ain't bad. It is bad. It's very bad, meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> very it bad. has to tick all the boxes or it's a no. So we, okay. again, women don't put themselves first. And the other thing we're really good at is not saying no to anything. So the sooner we figure out those two things and have little ways of making decisions without going round and around and around on them, th- that's been my sanity. What? Is there a particular setting or time of day or way you you know works the best for you to reflect on those kind of questions when you have really big decisions and you know you're taking the time with those those questions and really looking at your values and so forth? Is that like a morning journaling practice? Is that something else? It's I mean, and you can say that's just fantasy that you're talking about. I mean, let's just be real with how it actually happens. Yeah, do you light a candle? Do you like what happens? Well, it is very stereotypical. I love my sunrises and my sunsets. Uh, yeah. And you know, strategy is great. Again, go off site twice a year and do strategy with the whole team. What happens to just maybe two or three times a week checking in and having one on ones with them on the way through, as opposed to saving it up for a performance review or something like that? So I'm very much yeah. about. In the moment, let's talk about it now. Um, so every day I spend at least an hour on the phone with my business partner, Natalie. Um, okay. So that's that's really important, communication. Another one of my yeah. favourite books is Crucial Conversations. Mm, uh, yeah. So, you know, what are the key relationships? There's usually five in your life that you need to be having on a regular basis, not putting off. Or a, you know a holiday or a, whatever it is a strategy session offside, um, so a team building like try and do that more often. The second discipline I learned from studying the birthing of giants at MIT it was that business leaders spend most of their time in black, very little of their time in blue, and you know delegate a lot of the the red or keep that low so red is admin and all the tasks that just operationally make a business go the blue is doing the work which is most people have a, a lot of trouble getting out of that they, they are the business and then the black is the strategy and what they said was is that so in order for you to focus on the black and take your business to the next level you should be an inconvenient flight away from your head office <laughs> okay so I took that as a time zone so I choose to raise my children in Australia because I want them to be around nature and and you know all the beautiful things that I had growing up where you can go on your bike all day and and dream and and you know not this whole phone society world and and stuff like that So um, that's a decision that I've made. Um, I like to live on the beach, so I have the beach for my sunrises and my sunsets and my sunrises uh, 
over the beach and sunsets over the mountains. And so I needed to make sure that my environment put me in a space where I feel most creative because that's my happy place. And most of my business, though, is in America because I find business in Australia a little bit boring. I love the hustle of American businesses. I love the scale that you can take them. Um, So I commute. I literally commute. So <laughs> yeah, it's a serious I, commute. I'm a, I'm a fly in, fly out entrepreneur. And <laughs> what's great about that is I go for three weeks intensive. I'm, you know, I'm just working all day or night, meeting people, speaking, doing all the things that are great, but I don't want to be doing all the time. And then I get to fly back and I have four weeks at home to execute, to reflect, to work on strategy, to implement. Mm. Do all the things that are really important, have crucial conversations. And if I was in it all the time, I swear I'd be burnt out. I mean, yeah. I'm in the world here of Hollywood chapter. You don't understand. They're movie makers, restaurant owners. Like I could be at a party every single night. It's very hard to say no to some of these things. So it's great. I'm just not there. I'm playing mummy right now. And I get up at four in the morning. I work until lunchtime. You guys are all in bed. And then I have the afternoon to spend time on things that implementing strategy, business partner. And then after that, my kids finish school. None of you are annoying me. It's wonderful. <laughs> exactly right. No one's ringing me. It's, in the morning. You know, it's great. I, it's <laughs> so true. I do. I mean, I've never been to Australia and hopefully we can, we can change that. I'd love to come see you in person. Um, but I remember uh, in, in my past life in the corporate world, I used to travel to Tokyo and I remember that same feeling. It, it was like you feel on top of the world because you've, you've finished all of these things and then people are just getting up. They see it and then they don't bug you. <laughs> it's like kind of the perfect <laughs> setup. So yeah. They can't extend that meeting out to a lunch no. <laughs> or an obligation or anything. You know, I don't have yeah. that awkward, no, I don't have plans tonight, but I don't want to have plans with you. I'd rather be at home with my children. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's totally. kind of, it's, it works for me uh, and people yeah. think I'm mad, but it's 13 hours one way and eight of that I'm sleeping. I'm at the front of the plane. So yeah. I wake up the next day and I'm in LA ready to go as opposed to waking up here. It's it's yeah. not that big a deal and it's what people make it mean, right? Yeah. yeah. As opposed to what the reality of it is. Totally. But I think the critical point uh, or points I guess you shared, I think, centers around this idea of you're setting up seasons for yourself in a way, just like nature. It's like, you know, we, we all look, it's like the summer is the big season and then we, we don't like the winter or whatever it is, but it's, that's where it doesn't work if you eliminate certain seasons. And the, what, what I'm hearing when you're saying, you know, you're three weeks all in full burst of energy and, and work, but then you're coming back. Not that you're not Obviously, there's reflection and strategy, but that's if you know you if you were to compare that to professional sports and athletes across the board, they're doing that all the time. You know, they have to have the rest and recovery, or it's it's impossible. But somehow, as a society, it's like we figured that twelve to fourteen hour high intensity workouts for our mind is 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 healthy without any recovery. It just doesn't and work. You- and you may not be good in the morning. If your sure. if your zone of genius kicks in at six p.m. at night, then you should be working at six p.m. at night. Like yeah. I don't know why. Who came up with these rules? Um, yeah, who came yeah. up with these titles? You know, they're all sound like we're in the army. Chief, <laughs> officer, <laughs> chief executive officer and managing director and like I mean, ugh, at ease. <laughs> when are we at ease? Um, yeah. <laughs> well, um, that should be the title. I mean, seriously, I mean, yeah. I feel like it, 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 we're not on a war zone all day long, and you, I don't know why we've done this. Uh, I guess there's yeah. control. Um, they want rules. They want it to be regimented, but it doesn't work for us. Even the army sure. doesn't have to go into battle twenty four seven. You know, yeah. every day. So I don't know. I think. Yeah. I think we're we're trying to figure it out now. But I think it comes down to trust. I I really think the underpinning of everything is trust and we're at the lowest lack of trust in humanity. No one trusts themselves. 
Uh, so the only thing we can do is go inward and figure out what serves us and then show up in that space and lead by example. And the rest of it is all BS. Um, so, yeah, you're not going to hear anything out of me <laughs> or work hours <laughs> with me. I don't even time, like everyone says, you need to time send your staff in the Philippines because we, we have a back office, as you know. We, we supply yeah. um, amazing team members to American businesses. And um, I'm like, well, do you timestamp yourself and do you timestamp everyone else around you? Do, you? do you track your husband on his phone and do you, <laughs> do you, do you what, read his emails and do you timestamp all your stuff? No. I'm like, well, <laughs> why do you feel it's okay to do it to other people? So sometimes you just got to be the awkward person to go, um, does that sound like trust? Shall we lead yeah. with trust and give them the benefit of the doubt and maybe then they might perform for you more and care more about your business because they know that you trust them? Sounds like a pretty good strategy to me. Common sense, right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Anyway, uh, the common sense isn't so common, but um, no. not all the rules and regiments are working for them either. Yeah, 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 totally. I do want to ask about maybe probably not a pivot, but just a slight little sidestep, I guess you could say, because this is something that when you uh, when we last spoke and you were, were mentoring me on some some business topics and whatnot, I left really thinking about this notion of why am I playing small and how can I play bigger and what that what that could mean for me, and it, I I suspect or I got the sense that, you know, you're working with or, or mentoring, you know, people at all different, you know, stages of, of business and whatnot, right up to, you know, built billion dollar organizations. And I'm curious from your perspective, having been in this space for a while and seeing a bunch of different scenarios, like what's behind us playing small? Like what, what is, what is the thing that you notice? And you, you, cause I suspect you just like pick it up and like, okay, it's, it's another one of those kind of thing. And you let it play out and, and then work your magic. But I guess the, what's behind that question is, is for everyone listening, myself included, like what are some of the signs that we can hopefully try to pick up on and pause and think, okay, how, how, how can I show up bigger for myself and others and, and so forth? Well, I think it's hard, you know, and to, and I want to acknowledge you as well because you have to be open for mentoring. And mm. I've had a life of people mentoring me and, you know, it's not always easy for somebody else to kind of ask you those hard questions. So I want to acknowledge you first to being open to receive because if it's on deaf ears, it's on deaf ears. Um, but all my popcorn moments have come from mentoring moments. So I love mentoring other people um, and, you know, asking the questions so that they can think bigger and not bigger as in how big a business you want, but the mm -hmm. big impact, what impact you yeah. want to make. Uh, so that, you know, when we're on our, like literally if if you were to tell me, if the doctor was to tell me tomorrow, you know, you've got a year to live, I go, what a life. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and I can say that. So I want everybody to be able to say the same. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people are defaulting to looking at what other people are doing in their industry and then automatically assuming that that's how you make money out of it. So I think my ability is this visionary piece to be able to, and my business partner doesn't understand how I do it, but I'm able to hear what people are telling me that they do, but I'm able to see what they're capable of and what their zone of genius is and remove that from the situation and then go, how could this be applied in other applications? So how could we do this or go about this in opposite way that will have a bigger outcome? Yeah. So I'll give you an example because this is what got me to mentoring is my mentor said to me, okay, how can you have the most impact in business? And I said, well, I'm going to start investing in businesses and that's how I became an investor. And I'm like, you know, I, I've raised 20 million. I'm going to, you know, invest in them. And then that way I can steer them in this way of impact and blah, 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 blah. And he said, right, well, a fund is seven years. I said, yep. And he goes, and you've started with a 20 mil fund, correct? Yep. And he said, so I think you are capable of um, creating billions of impacts, right? 
So in revenue-wise, billions of impacts. That's why I chose you to mentor out of 60 people in the birthing of giants. So how long do you reckon it'll take you to get to a billion dollars in funds under management? And I'm like, mm, pretty long time because it's seven years <laughs> of pop, right? And then yeah, yeah. Seven years, then your next fund might be 50 and then one after that might be 200. Like he's like, that's not quick enough. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, oh, my God, I've just raised this money. <laughs> Like, what do you mean that's not big enough? So he said, remember that you have to get there quicker. And we, we're running out of time, by the way, mm. um, for business as a force for good. So go back and think of another way that you can make a bigger impact, which led me to mentoring because then I thought, well, if I mentor and I start sharing my zone of genius with others without having to necessarily give them capital or take equity, if I just lead with abundance, share that with other people and say, in fair exchange, if I give you my zone of genius and mentoring, you will do good by people and planet and I'll help. I'll show you the path to that. Do we have a fair exchange? And they go, absolutely. And by default, wow. you know, this was only a year and a half ago, right, that we started the mentoring program two years yeah. ago. This year we have $5 billion worth of combined revenue from the people that we're mentoring. All of those are committed to impact. So now I'm kind of talking to him about even bigger. So what if we got to $100 billion? That would then start shifting the way business is done because it's about momentum and it's about these cogs going. So I share that with you as an experience share because in the same way you came to me with the same logical solution that I had, mine was funds and yours was your version, and I'm like, hmm, that's not big enough for what I know Mark is capable of and the the size of this problem, this mental fitness problem. Yeah. I had to push you in the same way that he pushed me to think bigger because of the impact and maybe we need to go about it a different way. Does that make sense? Oh, I mean, it makes perfect sense. And I'll add to people listening. I mean, it's, it's quite, it's quite magical to experience how fast you were able to pick up on those things. And I think I sent you a text the next day. It's just saying, because for me, a, a staple practice is, is morning journaling and reflection and like I almost couldn't wait to wake up the next morning because I had these questions on my mind from our our conversation, and I mean it's and it's kind of snowballed from there. It's just so it's so interesting how a perspective shift like that, you know, it, it could be the slightest little nuance in the language or just a subtle shift in in the way you're viewing something. And to your point, you're you're living it, you know. It's leading to billions of dollars of revenue, which of which the impact of that is, is it's probably not even measurable. It's exponential. The ripple effect is so powerful, right? And I mean, I'm excited to challenge my own mind. And because the thing is, I know all this stuff works. I mean, I've seen it work. It's just a matter of, you know, it's uh, genius. Well, and just supporting like my whole mission with everything I'm doing is just how can we how can we make these practices more accessible to to people and reduce uh, a tremendous amount of mental suffering? Because in doing that, when our minds are thriving, the chances of those minds then creating beautiful innovation and good for the world is exponential. Nearly impossible to do that if you're in a survival state of mind and just trying to get by. So that's that's what drives me. But you know, and thankfully someone like you has, has landed in my life and uh, I feel really motivated, really motivated about that. So, And it's going to take you. us all pleasure. I, I love that. And that's my thing, right? I, w- I was in Boston a couple of weeks ago with somebody who's been in business for a long time and trying to solve this problem for a long time. And he literally was jumping up on the table saying, how did you get this in two days and solve the problem in two days? I'm like, I don't know, but you're welcome. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. It's my gift. Um, yeah. But then my business partner, Natalie, who who you'll meet, she's divine. It's a visionary and the integrator, if you know the book. Uh, sure. Uh, traction. I come up with a vision and then I articulate it to her and she has this unbelievable superpower of being able to visualize the steps and mm. the execution pieces and how to 
I don't. She's mapping shit in her head <laughs> as I'm speaking the vision, yeah. and I'm like, I don't know how we're going to do that, but this is my vision for this mentee, and this is what I think the impact could be, and this is the roll up we could do, and the market share, and the blah 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 blah. And then she's like, Uh huh. I know exactly how we're going to get there. I can see her head doing it. Yeah. So in my, and then I'm looking at her, just going, Oh my god. I don't know how you do that, but you're a genius. And then she looks at me and she goes, oh, my God, I can't believe you came up. Where did that come from? I'm like, I don't know. So I think you've also got to surround yourself with people who go, I can't do what you do, but you're freaking amazing. Let's join forces. And we're not doing enough of that. We're not acknowledging other people for their zone of genius and saying, your zone of genius with my zone of genius, one plus one equals 11. Now let's add another one. That's 111. You know, like. Business is meant to be a place for us to come together and do good by people and planet. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's not one man band. It's not you know the Tamara show. It's it it has to be that collective. Yeah, well, it's just it you know like it, it's working in your sweet spot. But I think you need to be you've done the work to acknowledge or realize you know what that is for you, and and you know exactly what it feels like versus. Sure, there are other areas, you know, maybe it's some of this implementation or integration where like it just feels like energy draining. And, you know, this this is where we uh, many of us end up working and, and we feel it. But then the narrative behind all of that, especially in the entrepreneurial world, is well, you just need to grind through that and and just hustle and get through. And no, I, you just need to, to stop. use your language. Bullshit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just don't be a control freak and go find somebody who loves and rolls around and enjoys that part of the business because you yeah. can't do it without the three. There's three critical things. There's the strategy. Yeah. Obviously, people are really important as well, but strategy, execution, and network are the three reasons why I've been successful. Is because I can okay. visualize it. I wasn't good at the execution, so I've got a business partner who does that. And I've always made sure that I have a really healthy network and I'm surrounding myself with people that make me feel like a little guppy. I'm never the biggest <laughs> fish in the pond. I'm always like, it's like, that's my analogy. I come back and I go, whoa, I think I'm like a tadpole at this point. I'll say to Natalie. And she goes, great, because she knows in those situations I thrive. So yeah. if I'm able to open that up and give that to up and coming entrepreneurs who want to you know, do good and profit and purpose, then what a gift. I can mentor them, then I hand them to Natalie and Natalie helps them with the execution and then I open up my massive black book and go, oh, and by the way, if that's what we're doing, I can connect you to this person, this person and this person. And that's mm-hmm. taken me 25 years to get to a point where I can qualify for these networks and, you know, be respected by people in that network so I can open doors. Isn't that a gift? And then by doing that, people, you know, it's really interesting because people are like, well, why are you focusing on growing everybody else's business? You're missing opportunities for yourself. That's another thing I call bullshit on because the universe, I'm going to get a little spiritual here. That's fine here. Okay, good. Is always (laughs) listening. It is always listening. And I find the more that I give, the more things just seem to land in my lap, quote, unquote. And one happened this morning. Somebody just came and said, look, I I know that you're a fandom expert. I know that you're a vision, visionary person. I know you through the network and I've heard about the work that you do. Do you want equity and do you want to come on board? Second time I've ever met this person, (laughs) massive project, ticks all my boxes. It was a hell yes. And I'm like, wow, if I actively went out and was trying to search for those things and bang down those doors, like most venture capitalists are doing, venture capitalists, it's all about deal flow, right? Mm-hmm. It, and the way they go about deal flow is throwing money at things <laughs> and yeah, bidding yeah. against each other. And I don't have to do any of that. So yeah. I think if you just lead by example and share with abundance, the universe just delivers you back what, you know, what what it feels that you would be able to add value to and, and create yeah. your own magic. So I just, this this whole synergy of showing up in that space, showing up in abundance, serving without expecting anything in return, it all just ends up working out perfectly. I mean, look how we met. It was because so true. I was helping a, a female who I met at an event who was struggling 
And she said, can I have some of your time? And, and I helped her and, and mentored her through what she was going through and she introduced me to you. And, and, and what a beautiful thing. Magical. You're yeah. going to see me now in Australia. It's exactly. a gift. Exactly. <laughs> Can't wait. I have lots of points, airline points. Like really. I can only imagine. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, too funny. Oh, what a beautiful way. I mean, I could obviously talk to you for hours, but I, I want to respect your time and uh, start to wrap up. But what a beautiful uh, energy to wrap up on and just, you know, reminding all of us of, of being in our, our zone of genius and our flow and, and how, you know, we're, we can truly be there and be open to, to receive then, you know, it, it'll come and, and trust, right. And trust that, that journey. My last question for you is, is what makes you smile each day? Um, conversations like this. <laughs> mm. Ditto on that. People get unstuck so that they can really step into their zone of genius that makes me so happy love and where that. I live nature it's all beautiful yeah I mean it really is human beings are generally beautiful people so you know humans and nature every day of the week I just I love it I mean what a blessing to be able to do this every day have conversations with you with other people connect beautiful people yeah that's why I have I only have one coffee a day, but I'm feeding off all of this. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like work at all. <laughs> so well, I think I think we can feel that as well. I mean, it, the the energy is infectious. And uh, I know I can I can speak to that. And I'm sure everyone's feeling on the other side. So so thank you. Thank you for your time, your energy, your beautiful wisdom, your mentoring. Uh, I'll put all, of course, all the links to all your incredible work in the show notes. So people check check that out. Um, and then a higher thank you for doing the work that you do and showing up as the awesome human you are because, and you know this, I, I'm just reiterating and reminding you, but the ripple effect of all of it, you know, is, is almost, you can't even measure that, right? And that's pretty powerful stuff. So thank you for doing that day in and day out. Mm, thank you. Well, I will extend that thank you to my mentors who did the same for me. And more importantly, um, I'll leave you with this one thing that they said also at the birthing of giants is we can't rely on the Oprahs or, you know, the, the Elongs or whoever they are that are trying to, or the Richards that are trying to save the world. That scarcity, there's, there's feast and famine. There's, there's not enough of them. Mm -hmm. But 60 people of you that are hand-selected to be in this room, you could equal one of those people or more. So I extend yeah. that to everybody else and remind you that you can join forces with other people, surround yourself with those people, and you too can create an amazing ripple effect by coming together collectively. And we need to get back to women sitting around in circles, gathering, sharing, leading with abundance and enlightened men. And, and then we, you know, we don't need to rely on these one or two individuals. That's how we, that's how we shift things. So our yeah, kids well have said. a beautiful, beautiful future ahead of them. And we can know that we, we did our part without needing to have a plane or a Necker Island. We just did it <laughs> together because the just journey, did it. it's, it's, it's really about the journey, not the destination. So pick someone, pick some great people and go on that journey together. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure.